Hi, I'm Audrey. I'm Amanda, and welcome to another episode of the Not So Model Minority Podcast. Today we are super excited to introduce you guys to our very first guest. Please welcome to the podcast, Christy Z. Hello guys, thanks for having me. So excited to be here. Thank (laughs) Thank you you. for joining us. Yes, so uh, today Christy will be sharing with us her experience working in London, specifically the realities of working as an Asian and as a woman in an industry that's dominated by white men and Mm -hmm. this is not something that's foreign to a lot of people like we will be um, talking about the truths and the myths about diversity Asian stereotypes that exist in the workplace manifestations of imposter syndrome and how we deal with it yes to start us off Christy could you share with our listeners where you are currently working and how long you have been at this job Yeah, so I'm currently an investor relations um, associate. I currently work for a UK bank, one of the big names, but I'm not going to name drop (laughs) just in case they sue me (laughs) because I'm about to expose them. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) I've been working for two and a half years, approaching three years now. So time flies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a perception that finance and especially banking is an industry that is heavily dominated by white men. Do you think this perception is true? I think it's getting better. It's still true, Mm. but I think it is getting better, especially at the junior level. Mm -hmm. I do see kind of more equal balance and I do know that a lot of banks do have a policy that they try to recruit at least 50-50 for their grab batches, which I think is helpful. Yeah. Um, definitely still a male dominated up top, mm. um, especially as people go on career breaks and they. Maternity. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's where there is more of a bottleneck um, on the more senior level. Okay. But about like Asians in, uh, specifically, are there a lot in um, your company? So for my personal one, uh, my own company, yes, most of them are BBCs, like oh, British okay, born right. Chinese. Um, so not like. Full Asian, if I may, oh, full Asian. That's a weird <laughs> word to say. But like, not you know, not like Asians that grew up in Asia. Right. Right. Exactly. So yeah, most of them are uh, BBCs. Mm. But I would say in my division, which is around three hundred people, thirty uh-huh. percent um, okay. are Asian. Oh, which is not you know not as low as people would assume. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a lot higher than my company. I think mm. we have around five hundred consultants, and only thirty are Asian. Wow. But although, although you're right, like most of the Asians there are either ABC or BBCs, and I think only five or six are Asians that actually grew up in Asia. Mm. Did you guys, I want to ask, is this something that you took into consideration when you were applying for companies? Like, oh, you want to work in somewhere that has a lot of Asian? Yes. So I think diversity <laughs> is a big thing because I grew up. Like, I went to school since middle school in an international school where okay. there's a lot of, like, cultural diversity. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, And then I went to university in London, which is, like, super, super diverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really important to be in an environment where I feel like I can see lots of ethnicities and lots of, you know, um, nationalities because I feel like I could contribute there. And I think there is a lot of common ground around moving to a new country. Mm, um, and right. I like that environment. 
yeah and just generally i think i i love working for a diverse company because you see diversity of thought at play you know people have <laughs> people bring in like yeah, yeah like they were like oh you know back in i don't know uganda when i was growing up yeah. this was <laughs> yeah you know what right. i did with my family to celebrate and i think i like i just like it but how about you really yeah i really agree because i think if you are able to see an asian woman for example in a senior position mm. that that kind of gives you the confidence to work in that firm because yeah. you can see that that's something you can achieve as well yeah yeah, yeah. i think representation matters a lot yeah for sure <laughs> yeah someone asked me why do we need more women in leadership and i was like there's plenty of reason mm. um mm. but at the end of the day i think plenty of women are qualified to lead so why not you yeah, know yeah definitely exactly yeah one of the questions that a lot of people ask is that you know there's a lot of asians or international students here why are there then so few international asians in the working community in london do you think that's because most people just decide to go home after university or is it more because there's a disadvantage for asian when it comes to job search ooh Um I think the HR <laughs> HR friendly answer is obviously there is a non-discriminatory policy around yeah. hiring, right? Uh-huh. But from my experience of looking for jobs in the UK, most of the time when I get to the final stages like assessment centers, mm. you know you you need to bring your passport for our verification and identity right, right. checks. Yeah. I did notice that it's very rare to f- see a passport that's not British towards the end of those stages, right. which I hope it's by coincidence mm. but I do think it is quite challenging and then historically as well in the UK if you want to start working not from the university route there yeah. you need to pass like a labor market test yes. uh-huh. yeah so um the company would need to prove that they're unable to hire any locals um locals here meaning british citizens or european citizens um to fill that position Oh yeah, that's a very right. good point. So I guess it's more like a challenge for companies to hire internationals rather than like mm. Asians specifically. Yeah. Exactly. You mentioned earlier that there's a lot of diversity and move towards hiring more diverse people. <laughs> do you think and Amanda, you can answer this too. Do you think those yeah. diversity initiatives actually work? Well, I think it's really important for diversity schemes to promote like people from lower social economic classes to mm-hmm. um to like get a feel of what it's like working in like professional industries because usually it's systemic right they they don't really have the chance to get to know that at earlier stages of their lives so i think in that sense then it's really good to help help them learn about these kind like of things like exposure to yeah exposure exactly because it's so valuable to be yeah. honest like even one day at banks and 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 these kind of industries it really helps what about you christy do you think these programs actually help them to eventually get into jobs Definitely. I think Audrey you mentioned earlier that it's so nice working for a company where you can see someone like you in mm, a senior position. Yeah. It's exactly like that, right? When you come into these workplaces that are diverse, you see for example another Asian or like another minority group yeah. there yeah. thriving with their career. That's yeah. when you can actually see yourself. The pathway is clearer for mm. your own career trajectory, so it's really important. I think an interesting stat that I would bring is that for Ooh, my division that? yes <laughs> i am well researched not really <laughs> um i think for my division which is quite small it's only 300 people so every year the grad batch is around 6 to 7 people right. okay okay in my for my year 2018 this is really impressive i don't know i was really proud of this but six there is six of us hired and all six of us none of them are white oh wow yeah. that's amazing um especially for a british bank right you yeah. <laughs> like, like Yeah. just by statistics right <laughs> exactly and the batch above us um sev- six people as well mm. um 
only two are from minority background and the rest are white. I see. And I was like, okay, like this is a very diverse batch. That's amazing because we usually think that you know there's still obviously there's a lot to be done. Yeah. And, you know, there's still a lot of work in terms of you know promoting diversity, but that's like really good. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What have you found in your company? <laughs> Do you have anything? Um, actually, experiences? one thing that I wanted to bring up is uh. My company, and I'm sure a lot of companies in the UK as well, has a lot of diversity initiatives. Where yeah. whether it's for people from disadvantaged backgrounds, mm. socioeconomically, yeah, or yeah, yeah. also um, in terms of race. So yeah. there's a lot of programs for say black people. Mm. But one thing that I noticed is that there isn't as much initiatives for Asians. Mm. Do you think that's the case for your company too, Christy? And if it's the case, like why do you think? It is the way it is. That is such a good. I agree. Actually, there's definitely a lot more focus on kind of encouraging black talents. Mm -hmm. Um, I think two prongs, right? One is because their voices are louder, like not physical voices, but like you know, there is a whole movement around like you know black black people, black lives matter, because of their history. Yeah, exactly. And I think it just hits the headlines a bit more. Mm -hmm. I think also historically there is more black people than Asians in the UK so they yeah. see that a bit more you know yeah. we talked about this earlier Amanda yeah. we, we were talking about oh maybe there isn't enough in- initiatives because there's just not as many people mm. affected by it compared to say the black movement yeah exactly but I think it's picking up also I think with Asians right I don't know this might be a stereotype oh god no but I think also we tend to be quite accepting of the circumstances we're, ca- mm. we're quite adaptable like if if for example <laughs> like we're I think now there is there has been a rise of like you know Asian justice and like Asian yeah, advocacy yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. before that I think even 10 years ago there wasn't much noise around bringing Asians to the spotlight like you know the recent oh, moves that's a very good point actually that kind of relates to like Asians being model minorities like not really disrupting the system in a yeah way, right? it's like know we recognize that there's something unfair going on but we don't really voice it out or do yeah. anything about oh, it oh that's interesting so maybe it's on us as well yeah i think it's both both mm. ways you know mm. yeah mm. so one of the major considerations that i had and i'm sure many others had too when thinking of pursuing a career abroad is progression. We discussed how, while it's far from perfect, we do see a huge emphasis placed on diversity at the graduate level. But what is often less transparent is how the level of diversity changes when you move towards more senior roles. Do you have a view, Christy, on the proportion of female or BAME or Asian executives in your company? So, I don't think specifically Asian, but mm. they do have like minority and diversity stats. Right. Most of the stats, no, mo- the target. My companies actually have targets of like how many percentage should be female at each level of the company. Ooh. Oh, interesting. So, so like that's so explicit. Kind yeah. <laughs> so they would say, I think if I remember correctly, they are aiming for thirty-three percent women representation at board level. Wait. So is this is this available to public? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Oh, it, okay. is it is. Every UK bank actually publish what's called a diversity and inclusion report at the end of every year, right. and you, you can see. All their gender targets, minority right. targets, and um, stuff like that. But they do explicitly say it, and mm-hmm. I think during town halls and results, people actually do ask about this stuff. They're just like, "How are you achieving this target?" Or right. like, "If you don't achieve mm-hmm. it, what drove this um, underachievement?" And right, stuff yeah, like that. Right, right. And have they generally met those targets? Yes, um, they have, which is quite good, I think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. though, I feel like I'm quite skeptical because sometimes maybe they set targets that they know they can definitely meet. Mm-hmm. You know, so like. Mm-hmm. 
the degree of ambitiousness is sometimes questionable but i think it's better than to not have any targets yeah yeah Um, definitely especially since like back then there would have been less networks less initiatives so it, it reflects upon the structure today right yeah you know? yeah it's kind of like say 10 20 years ago most of the people recruited are white men so then uh, uh, those people have now progressed to the senior levels right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. i think a question that's interesting i've asked my land manager this when i was doing my promotion interviews mm-hmm. say they have a target of 50 percent female vice presidents in this division mm-hmm. right right now it's like say i'm interviewing for this position and it, it came down to me and the guy yeah and you know you have this 50% target yeah. <laughs> say I'm less qualified right <laughs> to what extent would you <laughs> would you pick me over the guy just because to hit that 50% mm. target at like a company yeah. level yeah what was the answer <laughs> and then he was like ah you're qualified don't worry <laughs> like, Stuff, yeah, but these are real questions, right? To Definitely. what extent, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's that's interesting because I was interning at a law firm before as well, and my um, senior associate also told me that if you were up against a promotion with another guy, in this case, he said like if you are equally qualified, okay. we will probably pick you just for PR reasons, Ooh. you know. But yeah, exactly. Like how how much would you positively discriminate mm-hmm. for someone? I think you know it's good that they get these sort of um, advantages in Mm. that sense. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. There was actually an article published recently by the Boston Consulting Group. It's titled, The Real Reason Diversity is Lacking at the Top. (laughs) In the article, they actually mentioned two main reasons Mm. for this. And the first one is a weak sense of belonging. And the second one is the difficulty navigating in professional environments. Mm. And I think the first reason really links super well to the idea of imposter syndrome yeah yeah definitely so maybe we should start defining what imposter syndrome is Mm, yeah good idea yeah so um quick google search and imposter syndrome refers to an internal experience of believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be Mm. chrissy do Mm. you have anything that you're particularly insecure about or worried about as an asian woman working in your job Mm. yeah definitely i think imposter syndrome Probably every single day, although the level oh, fluctuates, no. right? <laughs> Gosh. I think it's because right. My team is fifteen people w- big. Right. Within yeah. the sub team, it's divided into two. Right. Within my sub team, twelve guys, one me. So. Oh, I see. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is this is a struggle, right? And I think it's really difficult to envision yourself as someone capable and competent, and mm. also to gain the confidence to navigate in the workplace without seeing someone else that's like you right. in mm, that environment so my job is very external facing like we meet investors right. and we present to them and we answer their questions and it's it's fine seeing my directors for example presenting it in a guy-ish manner yeah, yeah. but as a woman it wouldn't work on you to, to just copy paste right it's like so, a different style that you I need i see yeah, that's so interesting okay yeah so i was like well i mean i of course i feel imposter syndrome because all the role models that i have for this job is not someone that it's not something that I can do. It's not mm. who I am. It's like you need to find a different way to perform. Mm. Exactly. And I guess sometimes you're like, is this different way equally good? Is it at least you know, at least on par or is it even better? So right. I think it's really hard to benchmark yourself, which I think is another reason why diversity is important in the workplace because you know, everyone's different, but the more diversity you have, the more likelihood it is that you will find someone you can benchmark against more fairly. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with that. Like, like it's really difficult to sort of 
empower yourself to feel that you deserve a, ta- a place at the table. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think there's also the stereotype, right? That women are more sensitive, less outspoken, and less confident. Mm. I mean, this often leads to a challenge. Like, how do I ensure a presence in a boardroom, right? You were saying, But, yeah, like, when an Asian woman walks into, like, or, sh- like, short women walk <laughs> into, like, a conference room, like, it's harder to establish, like, this sort of presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I actually spoke to this um, senior leader in my company, and she was mentioning she's a really small Norwegian woman. And, you know, like, in Norway, people are generally quite tall. So one of the biggest challenges she had, especially in early stages of her career, is ensuring that presence. The example she gave me was really funny. She was, like, in a team meeting, a, a big man could just be sitting there and be like hmm and everyone be like oh he's contributing to the conversation for women like it's it's a lot harder for people to notice your presence <laughs> like you're at a different starting point even before mm. you start talking yeah you know? yeah for sure yeah. Well, so what what sort of things do you do christy then to ensure that you have a presence Mm. I think a very, very interesting anecdote here. So when I first started meeting investors, I asked my manager, you know, obviously you've observed me in meetings. What do you think I could do to have a better sense of what I call gravitas, which is like okay. how how okay. you carry gravitas. yourself. I like you know? that word. <laughs> yeah, gravitas. And then, you know, the advice that I got, I still remember it to this day. He was like, you know, Angela Merkel. And I was like, yeah, the chancellor of Germany. Yeah. And then she was like... <laughs> To assert her dominance at like UN meetings and stuff like that, she actually trained herself to make her voice lower. Oh, Ooh. I read this in Bad Blood as well, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, mm. you were telling me yeah, about this. Yeah, yeah, like um. So for those that don't know, there's this um Stanford graduate, and I think she created like one of the biggest scams in Silicon Valley, yeah, and yeah. she ran like a huge company called Theranos when she was 19. Mm. And one of the things that she does to gain trust from yeah. people around her, like sponsors. Yeah is to lower her voice and like really consciously try to make her voice sound like a man. That's so interesting. Oh my gosh. Well, I've actually in my foundation year, I had to do like a presentation for the end of like one of the big projects was like I had to research on da 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 and like do a presentation. Yeah. And so at one point we had to present in front of a class like a like a practice presentation and apparently like After I presented everything, like my friends were telling me, like Amanda, your voice. They, do you realize that your voice drops like five octaves <laughs> when you when you present in front of a class? And I wasn't even aware of that. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's internalized. I don't know. Maybe, don't know. but well, I've I tried doing that, but mm-hmm. then I found out it was a struggle because I'm a very excitable person. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, if I'm explaining concepts that I'm really excited about, yeah. like, and I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm really excited about my bank, but like, <laughs> I think generally I find macroeconomics interesting, right? right so yeah. when I start talking about GDP and interest rates, and I'm like, I'm excited, so my voice naturally drifts higher. Yeah. Mm. As much as I try to tell myself, okay, lower your voice down, <laughs> it just seems it comes across as unnatural, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the end, I just I took it and I was like. I'll try it, but mm. if it doesn't work out, then I guess you just have to find other ways. And I guess mm. my manager also told me an interesting point. You're the first Asian female that I manage in this job, so it's mm. really hard for me to find advice that works oh, for wow. you. See. That's super interesting. Wow. Do, do you find that imposter syndrome exists as well, uh, being an Asian, in addition to being a woman? Ooh. 
Yes, double, double, <laughs> double, <laughs> doubly disadvantage. Um, yes, but then I think now that I've been working for three years, I've learned, you know, stuff that just because it works for one person doesn't mean it works for me. So yeah. I find my own stuff, you know. I, I, I do what I call selective vulnerability. <laughs> just like please enlighten. <laughs> I'm gonna give away my secret sauce here, guys. <laughs> but I find that I'm the type of person who thrives on relatability relatability Mm -hmm, is that a thing so like if people find me relatable I'm naturally more confident which then boosts my gravitas right Mm, right. yeah so sometimes I'm not saying I do this consciously but I just naturally stumble upon concepts sometimes or I lost my train of thought and instead of being embarrassed trying to sweep it under the rug I embrace it quite freely I was like whoops sorry and like okay people are like it's towing the line between how professional you are but I think if it's done in a sophisticated manner it works Oh, this is wow. amazing. Wow, this, this is amazing. <laughs> this is great hacks, guys. <laughs> so yeah. I think just showing that select, but selectively being vulnerable. You don't you because you don't want to come across as incompetence, you know. Yeah. So like that works. That I found that to be working for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard to relate with people when you have different background, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think another question that I had was, you know, as Asian women, we look relatively young, and yeah. that makes it really difficult for a client to trust us. Like one of the things that I had during my training when I first mm-hmm. started my job was they always ask like, how would you respond when the client asks you what age you are? And especially <gasps> for an Asian. They ask you that? Sometimes they do want to ask about like our background and things like right. that. And often Asian women are easily judged for their mm. looks. You know, you look like you're 19. Like mm. why are you doing this like Huge this impactful deal. job? Yeah. Like, can I really rely on you? Yeah. So how, how do you deal with that, Christy? Again, my solution is to embrace it. So I'm 22. So when I started working in this job, I was like 19. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. 20, 19, 20, right? 20, yeah. right? So Honestly. inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry. No, I'm kidding. But like, I think I'm also very, very fortunate that my colleagues put me like whenever they introduce me mm. they don't say for example when i was still a grad they never say this is a grad in our team they I always see. say this is my colleague <laughs> which i That's find amazing yeah. at least yeah very encouraging yeah. right yeah. but also no one has ever asked me how old i am they usually ask me how long i've been doing the job right yeah right. so i think saying oh i've been i've been here for three years is much more convincing than mm. i'm 22 and i'm telling you where to put your money you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of the good tips that I was given from one of the mentors I had was when you introduce yourself, instead of saying, hi, I've been working here for three months, you can say, hi, I'm in charge of this particular area Mm. of work. So it kind of shows that, oh, I'm responsible Mm. for a certain part. And I'm, you know, you kind of avoid the topic of how long you've been working and your age. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No. No, go on. Another thing. Well, They've asked me how old I was outside of the meeting professional context, okay. like when yeah. we were getting a meal or something right. after the it's meeting. It's usually in casual context right. when they yeah. ask that. So I, I would usually answer honestly. I was like, okay, I'm 1920, whatever. Yeah. And then, but then I said, yes. So I graduated high school early and then I did neuroscience for three years. So like, I oh, back it up with qualifications that would impress them. Yeah. Right. Do you feel this constant need to sort of Set back up yourself <laughs> up? Yeah, back yourself up with like, like I don't know, credentials. <laughs> because... As Asians, we're quite young looking and short. (laughs) I think that's just you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you feel like you need to sort of establish these sort of, um, yeah, credentials about yourself to back up, to show that you are qualified for this job? Whereas, if 
say you were a white man, you wouldn't really need to establish your qualifications as much. Mm. This is where I think I complemented both ways. So mm. I find a way to name drop my qualifications to show I'm qualified, but mm-hmm. then show a degree of selective vulnerability right. so they can trust me as well. Mm. So I think that's a two-way strategy. That's such an interesting um, strategy. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. I, I think I read about like, the research as well, like how you how women are perceived, like they're labeled different things. Men, when they're in leadership positions, they're like, you know, capable, strong, mm-hmm. leading. Mm-hmm. And then women are like bossy or, you know, oh. um, demanding those sort of... Yeah, yeah, yeah I do see that right? actually. Yeah, because what do you like think? What do you think? for for men, maybe it's like good when they're like good in their career, whereas yeah. like for women, it's going against stereotypes. Yeah, and when you go against a stereotype, there will be people who don't support that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's like Taylor Swift said. Taylor well, Swift is like if a man writes about a woman, oh, they're yes. reacting, but mm. a woman can only overreact. Ooh. A man can react. I'm sorry, but that's like, true. No, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. For everyone out there, Christy is a huge Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> I am, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Man, I really loved how you mentioned about height as well. <laughs> maybe I was just exposing myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe then you can tell us how you feel about that. Does your height affect your confidence? <laughs> <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> well, to be completely honest, I'm yeah. being honest here. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I go to open days or like, go to firm events I've found myself consciously trying to like like I wear heels like I mm. want to look taller I want to be noticeable in the room like when I talk to people I want them to sort of notice me you know mm. yeah and so in a way I, I do actually make a conscious effort to mm. <laughs> address that insecurity of mine yeah it's actually quite funny because working from home Zoom mm. is actually a really good height equalizer. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. But then on appearance, that's also interesting because I am not someone who likes wearing makeup mm. or like likes to dress up. That's a great point. Okay. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm meeting investors and important people. Would I look even less qualified without looking, you know, polished and like Ooh. sophisticated? Yeah, right. that's true. I don't wear makeup and work as well are like very minimal makeup mm-hmm. do you think there's an expectation for women to better not be <laughs> like, I think I think only do it if you feel more empowered and confident mm. right if for example you doll yourself up you wear heels yeah. you wear pencil skirts yeah, and it yeah. makes you more uncomfortable it makes you look fake and less qualified at the end of the day mm. interesting that is a really good advice. Yeah. Yeah, I know some people do try put on makeup mm. to look older and more mm-hmm, mature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that something that you see among your colleagues, Christy? Um, I do actually see that among my colleagues, but mm. I think they do it again because it makes them feel more confident. Right. But mm. I personally keep it to a minimum because I think if I'm too worried about my appearance, I will get distracted and then the content yeah. of what I'm saying is like less quality. Mm-hmm. So I focus yeah. on delivering what I want to say yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a danger of if you if you if you like put on makeup for I don't know to, other people for other it. reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just becomes a burden, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 for sure. And also like on the way you dress you mentioned earlier was mm-hmm. one of the things that people think <laughs> about a lot. Yeah. 
Do you feel that you try to dress more like a man, man so like less feminine when you're at work? <laughs> Actually, this is a really fun fact for you guys who don't know me personally. I wear skirts like 360 days of the year. <laughs> Even when it's winter in London. Isn't that crazy? I love that, Christy. Because I, I know a lot of people avoid wearing skirts for the first few years of their work mm, lives just because, you know, you're more man-like if yeah. you wear trousers. Like, Uh, suits like yeah you know, those kind of what things. do you wear Amanda for your open days and internships I've worn a dress before I I wear I wear trousers mostly but it's not like I don't know I don't make a conscious effort to look more manly mm. yeah me too I think I wear trousers because I don't like wearing yeah skirts. yeah yeah but but I do I have heard of people who consciously choose trousers over skirts mm. because they want to look less feminine mm. yeah Right, so the other reason that Audrey mentioned was in the article was for um, lack of underrepresented groups at like top level is the difficulty we face navigating in professional environments. And I think this especially in jobs like banking and stuff like that. This involves a lot of like networking, building relationships with often senior colleagues, right? So Christy, your job involves a lot of client interaction and stuff like that. So do you feel that it's ever more difficult for you to relate to clients compared to peers or colleagues? Definitely. I think um, since I've started this job, I've had to kind of kind of boost, upskill my knowledge on certain things. Um, I have to now be able to comment on wine. And <laughs> or like English literature. <laughs> or a football is a nice, easy Ooh, entry level. That, that right. is so true. true. So do you like do this outside of work and like research? Yeah, it's almost like extra homework, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> But no, to be fair, I do enjoy learning just about things anyway which is a good thing so actually this season of football i have because we're all working from home yeah i've had to make it much more easier for visibility wise to kind okay. of be like hey i'm here so i've joined my team's fantasy premier league oh my god oh. <laughs> and like there's actually so much education because every week you have to change your team And you have to do some proper research. <laughs> who's injured? Who can play? And you have a certain budget, so right. you can't you can't just get all the mainstream names, you know, because you will so run out of money. Yeah, yeah. So. I feel like it would be fun if we understood it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like maybe we we just were never exposed to it. Mm. But once we are, maybe we'll be a fantasy football fan too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or wine. Audrey, do you think in your company, you've encountered that like currently or not yet? I think because I'm relatively junior, I haven't had to have a lot of client interactions. Mm. But I did experience when I was speaking to people, there were sometimes disconnect, especially in terms of like, you know, football or when they were talking about their experiences in private school. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, because like we, we grew up in very different environments, right? right? But I I do find myself kind of more and more trying to like understand their backgrounds because right. it's inevitable that you know the nature of jobs just have a lot of people from these homogeneous backgrounds mm. and I think I personally don't mind learning about them and mm. it does help me connect with them more on a personal basis interesting yeah, yeah even different universities you experience really different things right and I think in a lot of professional jobs there are a lot of Oxbridge 
um, <laughs> you know, um, graduates, posh. Posh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it might be hard, but mm. yeah. Do Do you find that disconnect then with your peers, especially when you are in My open peers? days? Oh, well, not not that much, not yet. I mm-hmm. think because the relationships you build during those kind of things are very like one off. <laughs> you don't really reconnect with them, but yeah, I think I would expect that a lot in 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 future workplaces, and I hope mm. to navigate them as yeah. well as yeah, you guys do. <laughs> I think definitely more challenging when I first started, uh-huh. right. because I think especially when you're building a relationship or a friendship, you want it to be. You know, you want to make jokes. Natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I'm like, is this only funny to me? <laughs> but I think as I progress and I as I have more exposure, it's practice. Like, it's practice mm. and you learn by doing, right? And I think what's interesting for me personally is that even though you do get better connecting with colleagues from a different background, right. there is a natural tendency to group up with people who are also Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even a really in a big company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do actually, for my division, we have... It's a very small club, but it's an Asian female club. We like we, we we spend weekends hanging out. You know, all of us are Southeast Asian females, so oh, most of them are like from that's Vietnam. Amazing. So yeah. we would spend weekends like they would teach me how to make Vietnamese spring rolls, mm. or like I would teach them oh, rendang. That's so cute. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe you can make something like that. Yeah, we That'd do so actually have a women and Asian community in I our see. firm. It's super informal. I think right. just. Once every month, we have mm. like a wine and tea session to, Cute. you know, just like talk about random things. And I think that makes me a lot more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so important because you spend so much of your day working and yeah. you need to feel comfortable in the company that you're working in, right? Mm. And, and also, Christy, another question that I had, you know, at a junior level, I suppose it matters less, but as you progress your career, there's often an expectation for you to bring in clients and build relationships with them. Even if it's easier for you to build relationships with colleagues, do you think this is a bigger challenge with clients, especially a lot of them, I presume, would be white men, right? Mm. I think I'm, I'm not there yet in terms of bringing clients into the... Right. firm i usually still do meetings with one of my directors which mm. helps um so i think also the way my director puts it is that he sees value after me being the first asian female hire in the team he was like actually i see value in diversifying the team even mm. more because wow, that's so cool i know <laughs> <laughs> yay me no kidding <laughs> but like it's I, I asked like oh that's very interesting why because he was like because i guess i didn't realize what value a different dynamics bring because usually it would be two white men trying to make people buy our shares and right. they have a very similar vibe interesting yeah and and that's yeah. actually so important i think a lot of people when they have imposter syndrome they're like you know i'm not qualified to work here yeah. but you have to remember that you are hired for a reason right and there are other like areas in which you know more yeah than like other, other things yeah. you can bring to the table and mm-hmm. instead of viewing it as a weakness it could be a source of strength like you're mm-hmm. kind of like your unique selling point right definitely <laughs> and he was like i never realized it's so much easier to lobby someone when you have that cop, nice cop almost that dynamics of like someone less outspoken with good intention recommending mm. the share and then someone what's more forceful to drive the deal home for example yeah that's very encouraging then, yeah, yeah yeah and i guess like back to the topic of you know being able to network and build relationships with people who are different from you right. do you have any other tips i think fundamentally regardless of your background sometimes i take it like I, I take sometimes a 10,000 feet kind of view that's like 
at the end of the day we're all people mm, and when it right. boils down to it we all although we come from different backgrounds with different experience and preferences yeah when people talk about happiness or heartbreak or how they feel it's very universal yes that's why mm-hmm. like you know we we come from indonesia but you know when justin bieber says love yourself we sing along and stuff like that you know like there is something fundamental about being human right and i think if you relate it at an if you relate to them at an emotional level it comes across as genuine as well and right. i always remind myself like they're just people at the end of the day you know they have mm. needs and wants and desires and you can relate to that regardless yeah. of what background definitely yeah because interests are just like one aspect of it right and you can yeah always go deeper and see like I don't know. Other yeah, for sure. Amazing. And I think for networking specifically, a lot of people view networking as big events. And mm. I per- personally don't really like those, you know. Mm. And I, it's difficult for me to connect on a personal level when it's a big room with a bunch of people. Right. So I think a good way that I do it is through having one-on-one sessions with people. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely a lot easier to like, you know, understand their backgrounds and connect in that way. And this is something that I was quite reluctant to do when I first came for uni. I don't know if you really? felt this month. I was like, oh, is it uncool for me to like just reach out to people <laughs> yeah. and be like, hey, you want to be friends and like talk over mm. coffee? But honestly, I think most people do enjoy that. At yeah. least I do. What do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I... There was like I, I do feel the imposter syndrome in that in that um, when I first started doing these sort of networking things, it felt like I don't even know that much about the industry. Mm-hmm. Like I, why am I taking up your time to talk about this? And like, you know, there are other people who know more about it. But then you find that you connect more with people who you talk less about, like the technical for aspects yeah, of the job that's a really good you know? point actually yeah yeah I, I find that those people who i have a long-term relationships are people that i talk about sports with yeah, or yeah, like yeah. you know like traveling mm-hmm. so like networking doesn't have to be you know very serious what do you think about the stock market <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah and i think a great advice that i got mm-hmm. if you are new to networking and you're very nervous or you're very shy mm-hmm. the motto that works is be interested to be interesting generally so generally people love sharing and talking about themselves yeah so if you are being interested in that person you ask follow-up questions you agree you feel animated to their stories you react people will naturally like you actually interesting yeah yeah Uh exactly (laughs) christy are you involved in any of the recruiting in your company so I started recently, I started interviewing some candidates, some um, uh-huh. grad, grad oh, level people. amazing. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I do have a question on networking then. You know, like when you go to events and maybe it's been virtual for you, but do you prefer that people talk to you about your work or do you prefer people to like, you know, get to know you as a person in terms of interests? This is for them applying for jobs. Yeah, yeah. For like, you know, university mm. students. <laughs> I think it should be a combination of both, but 75% about the role or mm. the company because... Mm. At the end of the day, there is no charade, charade, charade. It's not a charade. Like I'm there to promote my company. They're there to express their interests, right? Yeah. 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 So I see no problem in them asking things like, "What's the culture like?" or like, "How do you find your job? What do you do day to day?" That's completely Mm -hmm. fine, and Mm -hmm. I don't mind answering those Mm -hmm. questions. Um, I do find that as you progress during the application, um, like during the application timeline, then. 
during interviews, there's nothing wrong with doing something more personal, but still professional. So like in right. my interview for this company, I researched my interviewer. I found out he also went to UCL. And oh, then, amazing. And then I was like, I brought that up in the interview. I was like, he, he was like, do you have any questions for me? And I was like, well, I asked a few questions about the job. And then I also said, I looked into you and I realized we come from the same university. Um, well, how, how was that for you? Because for me, it was like this, 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 you know? <laughs> right, That's yeah. a really good way to put it. Because yeah. it's very personal. Yeah, right? yeah, find ways, yeah. find ways that you can connect on a more personal level. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Amanda? Amanda recently got an internship <laughs> at a law firm. <laughs> so Thank you, guys. How, how did you manage that? Oh, <laughs> how did you connect with your interviewers um well how do i connect with my interviewers well i think to me i also talked a lot about my interest in certain areas for example like pro bono work which i do a lot in my uni mm. and it's like it's quite a big part of my day-to-day like life i guess yeah and they happen to be really interested in that as well and so it just happened to be that they that we could talk about that at the end of the interview and it was a really good um, experience and yeah I think it's really important to relate to people on more than just them as people working in the company yeah because <laughs> in the end it's We're a people's human. business right exactly mm, yes and the question I always ask myself before I make the final decision is would I want this person to be a colleague? Not even are they qualified. Oh, is this someone I can see fitting into the culture and people here would enjoy working with? Right. Yeah, right, right. for sure. I, I do speak to a lot of recruiters and they mentioned by the final round of interview, everyone here is probably qualified to do the job. Right. The remaining is probably whether you want to work with them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also an interesting point that I picked up this past year actually um when i went to um events where there are like minority groups Mm -hmm. like you know black asian minority um i would ask them about their experience as those sort of Mm. you know underrepresented groups actually and they would be able to and usually when they're not hr (laughs) they'd be able to give me like really honest honest opinions about like oh there are these networks but you know we could do better in terms of representation And I guess it's like a refreshing form of questions as well. Definitely, right? definitely. a lot of people always ask about, you know, like really intense academic <laughs> opinions. And, you know, as a minority, it's really nice for someone to ask you these questions. Yeah, yeah. You, it's something that you can totally relate to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On, on a level that, you know, people who don't experience it really can't. Like, you mm. really can't know what mm. it's like. And so, yeah, that's been actually really interesting. And I found that to mm. be very refreshing in talking to people at companies yeah (laughs) so we spoke about what the reality of diversity is in the workplace and also the different types of imposter syndrome whether it's because you're a woman or an asian or just someone who is a foreigner working abroad it's definitely really challenging but there has also been a lot of women who broke who broke these stereotypes and like gone on Christy. to like Christy. Oh, I'm so I'm yeah. just it's bottom of the foot chain. Bottom of the foot chain, guys. But <laughs> it's it's definitely inspiring to see definitely people inspiring. break these stereotypes and go on to do great things in firms, whether as a leader or yeah. as other <laughs> other parts of the company. Right. Um, so do you have any tips for our listeners on how they can deal with their imposter syndrome? Mm. Yeah. I think anytime you feel like I don't belong here or I don't deserve this or I don't know if I'm qualified enough, I always think that a weakness can be a strength depending on your narrative. Wow. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> wow, let me think about that. <laughs> so, as I said, I think I've we've we've kind of talked about some of the examples of like, oh, I'm I'm so different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. That can you can see that as oh, I don't know if I belong, but you can right. also see that as I'm refreshing. I bring something to the table definitely because right. I'm different than my peers. Yeah. So I think every there's always two sides to every story, and mm-hmm. every time you feel like oh, I'm this is my insecurity. Try to challenge yourself and try to think about how can I make this insecurity a strength that adds value to whatever it is that I do. Um, I think a change in mindset is always really helpful, right? And I think having a mentor or at least a group of peers that are honest about how you are progressing in your career is really fundamental because I wouldn't be able to try different things. I wouldn't be able to know how I could improve or what I can change without people holding up a mirror and be like, you know, you're great, but these are the sorts of things you should try to do or push me a bit more. And I Mm. think ultimately you need a third person to hold up the mirror. Yeah, those are really helpful tips. I mean, being different definitely means that you have different stories to tell from different backgrounds. And yeah, I think it's really important to keep in mind that if you do meet someone who's not very open to learning about your culture, to not let this sort of discourage you and still still know that you deserve to be there. Yeah, definitely. Mm, I think a good saying on that is... My someone said this to me. I forgot who, but they said <laughs> if you have a seat at the table, then it is a disservice to hold back your voice because Ooh. you already have the seat. You know, the woman, the the female students or university people who look up to you, like, are you like, how come you're not utilizing mm. your voice? Because someone else could be there and they they could be giving more insight. I see. That's really that's a really good perspective. I think that's such a great. I'm gonna apply that in my life. <laughs> Christie's Wisdom 101. (laughs) Anyways, we hope that this episode have given you guys a better insight to the reality of diversity here in the UK and how we can all deal with imposter syndrome. We are definitely still learning ourselves and we learned a lot from Christie too today. So much. So much. Thank you, Christie, so much for sharing your experience. Yeah, thank you. It is really enlightening actually to know about like all the different struggles that you have in work. Thanks for having me. Oh, my heart. Yeah. Well, yes, so thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Not-So-Model Minority Podcast. Tell us where you can find us, Audrey. (laughs) Yeah, so if you have any hacks on how you deal with imposter syndrome, do DM us on our Instagram at notso-model-minority. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.